you take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. The Russ Belleville Show. The voice of the marijuana nation. It's like marijuana ought to be legalized. Good people smoke marijuana. Now, here's your host, Radical Russ Belleville. Midday tokers and toquettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Tuesday, April 18th, 2017, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. It's episode number 925, and coming up on today's show, in the news, Colorado pot DUIs went down by a third, but CDOT is still freaking out about stone drivers. In our Cannabis Focus, we have the full remarks by Trump's Homeland Security Secretary John Kelly, who now believes marijuana is a, quote, potentially dangerous gateway drug, end quote. In our Cannabisness Chronicles, Dimitri Downing joins us to preview this week's Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo in Dallas. In our Activist Agenda, we replay a heartfelt speech from Beverly Hills Cannabis Club's Cheryl Schumann this weekend at the Boise Hemp Fest. And in the Radical Rant, I explain to the millennial marketers that we can promote positive cannabis consumer images without denigrating the so-called stoners. But first, let's get to the news. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Now your marijuana headlines in four minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis News. This is your Cannabis Headline News for Tuesday, April 18th, 2017. The number of citations for driving while under the influence of marijuana dropped by 33.2% in the first quarter of 2017 compared with the same period last year. But the number of people using marijuana and then driving continues to be a concern for Colorado officials. The number of citations noting combined alcohol and marijuana use also declined. There was also a year-over-year decrease from 7 to 3 fatal alcohol and drug-related crashes in the same span. In a survey conducted by CDOT, 55% of marijuana users said they believed it was safe to drive while under the influence. So three years ago, when recreational marijuana was legalized, CDOT launched the Drive High, Get a DUI campaign to raise awareness that driving while stoned was illegal. The Canadian plan to legalize recreational marijuana does not include the general amnesty for past pot convictions that some would like to see, says Public Safety Minister Ralph Goodale. A pardon doesn't erase a criminal record, but it can make it easier for someone to find work, travel, and generally contribute to society. Goodale noted there is already a formal process to have a criminal record set aside. Those convicted of simple possession of up to 30 grams of marijuana are eligible to apply for a pardon, now known as a record suspension, five years after their sentence is completed. Oregon Governor Kate Brown on Monday signed a bill that prohibits the state's marijuana retailers from sharing or keeping information about their customers' identities or purchases. Senate Bill 863, which drew broad bipartisan support, flew through the legislature and is one of the first bills to be signed by the governor this session. Brown said, quote, I think it's appropriate under the circumstances, end quote, after signing the bill. She fears the Trump administration could make good on its threat of a, quote, higher level of federal engagement, end quote, when it comes to legalized pot, she said. 
Parents will have an easier time getting an anti-seizure drug derived from marijuana under legislation Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker signed Monday. The cannabis oil legislation is a bipartisan measure aimed at helping children who can suffer from scores of seizures in a single day. The legislation passed the Assembly unanimously last month and cleared the Senate in February on a 31-to-1 vote, with just Senator Dewey Strobel, a Republican of Cedarburg, opposing it. In 2014, legislators and Walker approved legislation, Lydia's Law, to allow families to obtain CBD oil in extremely limited cases to treat a patient. But the conditions have proved so restrictive that families and physicians have been unable to make use of it, and the legislation's namesake, Lydia Schaefer, died as a young girl before she could ever try the treatment. The latest legislation would ease those limits, allowing families to possess CBD oil for any medical condition if approved by a physician on a yearly basis. A wide-ranging bill authorizing the use of medical marijuana for ailments from cancer to post-traumatic stress was passed Monday night by the Iowa Senate, although it's unlikely to win approval in the Iowa House. Senate File 506 was passed on a 45-to-5 vote. It would allow for patients with a range of medical conditions to obtain a medical cannabis registration card after receiving written approval from a doctor. The card would enable a patient to obtain medical marijuana from a dispensary in Iowa. It would legalize the production and distribution of medical marijuana in Iowa and would legally reclassify marijuana under state law. Smoking medical marijuana would not be allowed, nor would people be allowed to buy plant material that can be taken home and smoked. But the legislation establishes a framework that should encourage investment by businesses. Oklahoma Governor Mary Fallon signed a bill Monday amending Oklahoma's definition of marijuana. With House Bill 1559, any federally approved cannabidiol drug or substance will not be considered marijuana. No cannabidiol drug has been approved yet by the Food and Drug Administration, however. Removing it from the definition of marijuana clarifies its difference from the illegal drug. Cannabidiol, also known as CBD, is being researched and used as a medicine for some ailments, including severe childhood seizures. This is the third year in a row that Fallon has signed a bill that could expand its use. In recent years, Oklahoma has embraced the drug by making it legal for researchers to use in clinical trials. This has been your Cannabis Headline News for Tuesday, April 18th, 2017. I'm Russ Belville. In the interest of fair and balanced journalism, the Russ Belville Show presents the anti-drug public service announcement of the day. This is a banana. This is a cat. This is fire. This is harmless and actually helpful to some people. Don't believe everything you hear. The fact is that every major health organization rejects smoked marijuana. Now that the smoke is cleared, discover truecompassion.org. This has been the Russ Belleville Show's anti-drug public service announcement of the day. Exclusively on RadicalRust.com. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. 
You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show. Uh, Americans have increasingly come to the conclusion that the drug war is a failed policy. You can find Radical Russ online everywhere. It's time for Cannabis Facts About Alzheimer's from Robert Platshorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. A new Florida study in the journal Molecular and Cellular Neuroscience found that cannabis promotes the growth of healthy new brain tissue. It can slow the effects of Alzheimer's and may, in fact, be able to halt it entirely. A long-term study by Ohio State University's professor Gary Wink concludes that people who regularly use marijuana get Alzheimer's at a much lower rate than others. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in Cannabis Focus, we want to take a look at the Trump administration and in particular the Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security. The man's name is General John Kelly. And a lot of people were talking about Kelly this weekend because he was on Meet the Press this Sunday and spoke with host Chuck Todd and said that marijuana, quote, was not a factor, end quote, in the drug war. His quote continued, the drug war is focused on three things, methamphetamine, almost all produced in Mexico, heroin, virtually all produced in Mexico, and cocaine that comes up from further south, end quote. He'd also suggested the solution to fighting drug use in America, quote, is not arresting a lot of users, but rather a comprehensive drug demand reduction program, end quote. So this was uh, getting a lot of play yesterday because people uh, in the cannabis punditry were talking about how, look, it's a more relaxed version. They're not really going to go after marijuana. Marijuana's no big deal. All that worry about Jeff Sessions and all that worry about Sean Spicer. Don't worry about it. Marijuana's not a big deal to this administration. Well, seems like somebody went over to the Department of Homeland Security and gave Secretary Kelly a talking to because this morning he was speaking in front of law enforcement professionals. And uh, I'm going to play the full clip for you. Uh, His remarks begin with discussion of the opiate epidemic and how terrible this opiate epidemic is. And he follows it up with some comments on marijuana. You tell me what you think his stance is. In 2015, which is the most recent data we have, there were over 52,000 deaths from these drugs in the United States caused by these drug overdoses. It's the highest number of drug-related deaths our country has ever seen. It's more deaths than the peak of the AIDS epidemic in 1995. It's in a single year we've we've lost nearly as many Americans to drug overdoses as we lost in the entire World War I. It's almost as many as we lost in 12 years of fighting in Vietnam. And that's just overdose deaths. That number, as high as it is, says nothing about the long-term health damage to our citizens who survive. To say nothing about the human misery, the families ripped apart, and the extremes of crime and violence inherent in the illegal drug enterprise. And let me be clear about marijuana. It is a potentially dangerous gateway drug 
that frequently use, leads to the use of harder drugs. Additionally, science tells us it is not only psychologically addictive, but can have profound negative impacts on the still developing minds of teens and people up into their mid-20s. Beyond that, however, its use and possession is against federal law, and until the law is changed by the United States Congress, we in DHS, along with the rest of the federal government, are sworn to uphold all the laws that are on the books. DHS personnel will continue to investigate marijuana illegal pathways along the network into the United States, its distribution within the homeland, and will arrest those involved in the drug trade according to federal law. CVP, our customs professionals, will continue to search for marijuana at sea, air, and land ports of entry, and one found take similar and appropriate actions. So there you go. Uh, the full remarks by Homeland Security Secretary John Kelly earlier this morning. Seems like he's uh, been brought around to the Jeff Sessions point of view on marijuana being a deadly, dangerous gateway drug. Doesn't sound a whole lot like uh, they're going to be easing up on this. And I have a lot of worry about this, uh, including how TSA will uh, respond to this. Of course, I fly a lot and I'm taking off tomorrow to Atlanta. For those of you who've been following the TSA issue, you may have noted that uh, TSA briefly on their website in a question and answer uh, said that it was okay to bring medical marijuana on flights. They quickly recanted that the next day. And in case you had any uh, questions about that, John Kelly wants to make it perfectly clear. When marijuana is found at aviation checkpoints and baggage screening, TSA personnel will also take appropriate action. And if you happen to be in this country illegally, ICE will continue to use marijuana possession, distribution, and, and convictions as essential elements as they build their deportation, removal, apprehension packages for targeted operations against illegal aliens living in the United States. So marijuana will still be used to deport people. Marijuana will still be used at TSA to hassle people. Customs and Border Patrol will continue to work at least, and they're uh, legally allowed to work, as far as 100 miles away from the American border. And that's not just the southern border, folks, with Mexico. That's the northern border with Canada. That's the sea border with the uh, the ocean border with uh, the Pacific Ocean, the ocean border with the Atlantic Ocean, the borders of the Great Lakes, the borders around the Gulf of Mexico. 100 miles within those borders, Customs and Border Patrol are allowed to act and allowed to search you without the Fourth Amendment protections you would expect. A third or two thirds of the United States population lives within that 100 mile zone and nine out of the top 10 population U.S. cities are within that federal 100 mile zone. Now, if that wasn't frightening enough to have the Secretary of Homeland Security repeating the gateway drug myth. And let me be clear about marijuana. It is a potentially dangerous gateway drug that frequently used leads to the use of harder drugs. If it's frequently used, it will lead to the use of harder drugs, and that'll be devastating. Every time we get these federal officials out there talking about the opioid epidemic, talking about the ravages of 50,000-plus drug deaths from the opiates that were pushed out by the pharmaceutical industry, their marketers and their uh, CEOs, the more that issue comes to a head, the more we hear these federal officials resurrecting the gateway theory. 
I'm telling you, this is the plan. The whole idea here is to demonize the recreational low-level drug user, the marijuana user, as the farm for what leads to the heroin addiction. Anything they can do to distract the fact that, no, most of the people with these heroin addiction problems got started on Oxy or Vicodin or Percocet or fentanyl or morphine or any of these legal, medically accepted drugs that are being pushed out by pharmaceutical corporations and that the DEA has allowed a 10 to 20 fold increase in the production of the united states of america uses 80 percent of the world's opiate painkillers i refuse to believe we're in that much more pain than the rest of the world but when it comes to homeland security secretary john kelly he also is adopting that uh, jeff sessions we've got to worship the police and give them the benefit of the doubt and treat them with more respect and implying that the last years of the Obama, Holder, and Lynch administration with regard to Department of Justice was nothing but a nonstop 24-7 cop bashing exercise. This was John Kelly toward the conclusion of his remarks to law enforcement. For too long, the men and women of my department have been political pawns. They've been asked to do more with less and less and less. In many ways, similar to the treatment suffered by our law enforcement over the past few years, they are often ridiculed and insulted by public officials and frequently convicted in the court of public opinion on unfounded allegations testified to by street lawyers and street spokespersons. If lawmakers do not like the laws that we enforce, that we are charged to enforce, that we are sworn to enforce, then they should have the courage and the skill to change those laws. Otherwise, they should shut up and support the men and women on the front lines. My people... My people have been discouraged from doing their jobs for nearly a decade. Disabled by pointless bureaucracy and political meddling and suffered disrespect and contempt by public officials who have no idea what it means to serve. Here's the problem with Kelly's remarks is that uh, we're all for this idea that uh, we should change the laws and make it so that the law enforcement officials don't have to bust people with weed. We go to the legislature time and time again to change those laws for you. And who shows up to testify against us? Law enforcement and government officials in their official capacity, wearing their badges and their firearms, come to testify against us. So don't play this, oh, we don't make the laws, we just enforce them, when you keep showing up to keep making the laws and to keep your enforcement of them in progress. And he closed uh, with this little gem. When you discourage, when you disable, when you unjustly criticize in default to believing the initial reports as opposed to defaulting to, be- to believing the stories told by my professionals. When you do all of those things and show disrespect to the individual who's risking his or her life to defend the country, when you do those things, what do you expect? All of this stopped on January 20th. It stopped with President Trump and it stopped with me. My people, the men and women of this department, do a difficult and at times nearly impossible job in the service of the American people. Oh, wow. Cry me a river that you do such a terribly tough job. Weren't you the ones that signed up to do that job? Nobody forced you to have to do that job. 
just man up a little bit here and have, take a little bit of responsibility. When John Kelly says people are more likely to believe these so-called street lawyers and street representatives, let's just translate it for what he's saying. Black people with cell phones and the advocates who stand up with them. Black people with cameras who have gotten pictures of other black people being beaten and shot and shot in the back and kicked while they're handcuffed and have all sorts of mysterious deaths for which cops are never prosecuted, very rarely prosecuted, and very rarely sent to prison. You want respect? Respect is earned, law enforcement. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. Hey, I'm not anti-cop. I love law enforcement. I want law and order. I want to be secure. I want laws to be followed. But give me a break on this idea that, oh, we just don't, we just enforce the laws. You have tons of discretion and you consistently use that discretion to go after the low level users to steal their stuff and ruin their lives. I'm not having it. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The law office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show. Victory over drugs is our cause, a just cause. All right. Maybe you're high, too. This is Radical Russ Belleville with a word about dealing with police. Whether marijuana is legal in your state, whether you're a medical marijuana patient, or whether you're a cannabis consumer just trying to survive under prohibition, you should always affirmatively assert your rights in a police encounter. This means you don't answer police questions without your attorney present, and you never consent to a search. Police are not your friend. Besides showing your insurance, registration, and driver's license, there are only three things you should be saying and one thing you should be doing. I cannot answer further questions without my attorney present. I do not consent to any searches. Am I under arrest or am I free to go? And then leave once you've been cleared to go. Don't stick around for any little talks the officer wants to have. Learn this lesson well, and unlike me, you won't have a criminal record. This has been a public service announcement from the Russ Belleville Show. said that when there's a gold rush, it's a good time to be in the pick and shovel business. Today, we look at the rapidly evolving markets in the marijuana green rush in our Cannabis Chronicles. Uh, today in the Cannabis Chronicles, we make our way back down to the wonderful state of Texas in Dallas, where they've got a great conference that's going on this week. It's the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo. And joining us to discuss it, we've got Dimitri Downing on the phone. Dimitri, welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are things in Texas? Uh, well, actually, I'm in Arizona today, but I'll be in Texas tomorrow. Uh, oh, well, so you wouldn't know how things are in Texas, but we'll have to ask you tomorrow. The uh, Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo is one that I've done a couple of versions of. I've been to the one in Phoenix, been to the one in Fort Worth last year. Tell us a little bit about uh, when the expo's happening, where is it at, and what's going on? 
Well, the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo is designed as an emerging market expo. While there's industry expos that focus on, you know, the, the, the existing industry and CEOs getting together, shaking each other's hand and, and congratulate each other for being masters of the universe, there's tens of thousands, millions of people in states that are yet to be converted over and are switching over from medicinal recreational who have no idea but are soon going to be subject to the new brands and MJ freeways and weed maps. Well, weed maps is everywhere anyways. <laughs> weed maps is huge. <laughs> but anyways, so uh, there's all these, all these uh, citizens, taxpayers, entrepreneurs, cultivators that are wondering what it looks like when it switches over. And not everybody can afford the $600 tickets at the MJ, MJ Business Daily and can travel over to Vegas. So in Texas... We're going to be showcasing kind of the national industry and the emerging brands and what it's looking like to individuals who haven't seen much before. And at the same time, educating taxpayers, educating citizens, media, politicians, policymakers, as you know, in Texas. And I have spent a lot of time there lately, uh, but the, the, uh, the door has been cracked open with medicinal marijuana. And as you know, something in the cannabis industry, once that door is cracked open, we know that the truth, you know, the light of truth shines on things and it just expands, expands, expands uh, to fully medicinal and eventually maybe to adult use. So it's pretty exciting. Texas is on the cutting edge and we're going to be down there. Well, we're so glad that you're down there helping to educate people and get them excited about the uh, the new industry. It's uh, It was a great event the last time I was down there as well. And uh, what, what dates are the event uh, happening? It's this uh, this uh, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, the dates are the 22nd and 23rd, with a special uh, cannabis uh, pro cannabis pro athletes event on Friday night. Um, but the heart of the, the matter is on on Saturday and Sunday. That's when all the speakers are at the SWCC Expo Texas. Okay, so uh, where can that's people find Worth- this information online, Dimitri? It's at the Fort Worth Convention Center, um, and it's uh, it's go to swccexpo.com uh, slash Texas. And then, of course, we're going to be in Florida, which is even more exciting, uh, in the early part of June. And that's the SECC uh, Expo in Texas. Oh, in Florida, you mean? SECC? Oh, Florida, yeah. That one's in Florida. Sorry. Uh, where where in Florida will that one be held? That one be in the Miami-Fort Lauderdale area. Oh, excellent. There. There, there have been a few uh, events I've heard of in, in the Orlando area. Glad to hear you get down more into the south of Florida, where there's so many seniors that could benefit from uh, medical marijuana use, at least. So SECC happening in June, SWCC happening this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, at the Fort Worth Convention Center, last place uh, I was there. Tell us about some of the speakers and panels. What are people uh, going to be learning? Well, it's the usual, I mean, people have been to these. So so Texas is obviously on the cutting edge, it's on the frontier. I think a lot of your listeners are more experienced uh, cannabis industry individuals. So we have a lot of the usual speakers uh, lined up, panels lined up to teach people about what the market looks like, you know, what the opportunities are, what the regulatory structures are, what's happening in other parts of the, of the uh, country, and what to expect in their own state. Uh, so we have lots of different panels uh, set up for educational purposes, um, which are going to be really valuable to the the newbies in the Texas market. And there's tens of thousands of people down there who are dying to learn about what the economic opportunities are and what the new world uh, order looks like post uh, post drug war. You know? Yeah, really so looking forward to that. Of, yeah. 
Now, Dimitri, uh, holding this in Fort Worth, Fort Worth Exposition Center, has it been difficult working with city officials? What's the reaction to a cannabis expo coming into town? The exact opposite. The enthusiasm, I, I can't describe you the enthusiasm that, that we received. Uh, let me give you an example. We go to this event where there's a bunch of other conferences that they're holding and people that are helping the, conve- the, the Fort Worth area and the convention center host conferences. Uh, we went to that event like six months ago and, you know, we're like, you know, the toast and talk of the town. Everybody's like, oh man, you know, cannabis conventions are exciting. We want you guys to be here. Fort Worth, Austin are on the cutting edge of liberal thought in, uh, in, uh, in Texas. And so just all sorts of restaurateurs, all sorts of, uh, government officials, all sorts of convention officials. Everybody's like, you know, you guys are welcome here. Just don't break the law. And we know the law is silly. Uh, and it's changing rapidly, but just don't break the law. And, uh, you know, we know that the future is going to be cannabis expositions and Fort Worth Convention Center is a great place to have it. So they were very welcoming, open arms down there in Texas. Wow, that's really great news. Glad to hear it. You've got the uh, SWCC Expo taking place this weekend, Fort Worth Convention Center, SWCCExpo.com. And the following weekend is the uh, Global Cannabis March. I'll actually be there in Dallas, so I'm missing you by a week, Dimitri. Wish I could uh, see you, but uh, got another event to get to. So good luck, and thanks for joining us on the show. Okay, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Stay tuned, folks, because when we come back, we've got uh, more highlights from the Boise Hemp Fest that took place on Saturday. A very heartfelt speech by my good friend and the founder of the Beverly Hills Cannabis Club, Cheryl Schumann. We'll be right back after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of The Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. You're listening to The Russ Belville Show. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. We've got to take a look at what we're considering crimes. You can find Radical Russ online everywhere. Warning. It's taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. Or at least they... Amy to say that. Cool. <laughs> A public service message from the Rust Belleville Show. begins with ACT. The Rush Belleville Show features the stories of hardworking grassroots activists working for an end to prohibition in today's activist agenda. 
The next person I'd like to introduce to you is another person who I have the uh, privilege of having kind of ushered into this realm of cannabis activism. Uh, I was up in Aspen, Colorado for a legal seminar, and coming back from the Aspen airport to go to Aspen, we get on a shuttle, and this woman and her lovely daughter get on, and we have this conversation. I find out she's from Beverly Hills. She's interested in the movement. She's got a lot of connections. She's in show business. A celebrity. I'm like, oh my God. Perfect. And since then, this woman has probably been seen on more different types of media as far as the television goes, as far as being on like Ricky Lake and, and shows like CNN and the Fox Business Network and all of that. So a big variety and has done a fantastic job on presenting to an audience. I mean, we all love marijuana, right? We're all for it. But we got to also reach out to the most of the people out there that aren't like us. People out there that are like business people. People out there that are like in the suits and they're casting the votes and all that. We got to reach them too. And nobody's been doing a better job of that in the media than my next guest. Please welcome from California, Cheryl Schumann. Russ is the guilty party here. <laughs> um, you know, I have to admit to you guys, I, I, I've been crying a lot today. Uh, it's the one year anniversary of my mom's death. And I don't know, how many of you are, are moms in, in the audience? How many moms? Anybody? Can you clap, make some noise, something so I know you're here? Okay. How many of you are medical marijuana patients? How many of you want just responsible adult use for cannabis? Okay. I wanted to know because my path to cannabis is a little bit different than most people. I'm one of those mainstream people that most people hate that got into this movement. I was one of those goody two-shoes who never had a cigarette, never had a drink of alcohol because my stepfather was a raging alcoholic who used to beat the holy shit out of my mom and out of me, and I swore that I would never, ever do anything that would alter my level of consciousness. And then one day I was diagnosed with cancer, and that changed my life. I went from literally being on top of the world to being told by these Western doctors that I was going to die in probably less than four months, and I was in an illegal state. So I did my thing, I gathered my children, I set up a living will, and then I reunited with a friend from California that we'd gone to high school with. And right when I was getting ready to sign over for hospice, he told me about CBD plants. And this was seven years before Dr. Sanjay Gupta or anyone had ever heard of CBD. So I decided to sign out of hospice care because I figured, you know what, if I'm gonna die, I want to go out with a smile on my face. And I want to enjoy the quality of life for every single day that I had left. So for me, I got into this for a strictly medical purpose. And it saved my life. I have been alive 10 years longer than any of the Western medical doctors said I would. And I am still standing. But the sad thing was... 
like for other people who are living in illegal states, and that's why I'm here in Boise, Idaho, because we can't do this anymore. People are dying. My mom died because she was living in an illegal state and was too afraid to try cannabis to save her life because she was afraid that she was going to get arrested. And one year ago today, after me being able to help thousands of cancer patients, thousands of pediatric oncology patients all over the world, and spending time with some of the top scientists in Israel and learning through clinical trials that this does work for cancer. It does work for all kinds of cancer, brain cancer, uh, pediatric oncology, epilepsy, Dervais syndrome, and all of these things. And I was on stage because my mom, this time last year, because we all know 420 is the big time for all of us to come out. And I support responsible adult use. I have friends who enjoy cannabis, and I think cannabis should be accepted as a glass of wine with dinner, if that is what we choose. But this time last year, I got a call that my mom had, had fell, and they had found a small tumor cell that was totally treatable. And then I said, I, I, I left the, the event right away. I got in my car and I started driving back east. And my dad called right when I had hit New Mexico. And he said, your mom's going to die tonight. And I drove for 40 solid hours to see my mom. And she hung on just until I got there. And with her last dying breath, she said, Jake, which is my nickname, <laughs> Jake. Because I grew up on a tobacco farm and we were really poor. And she said, whatever you do, do not give up your fight. There are people counting on you. And with my mom's last dying breath, I have continued to go out there and to fight for people. And then, three weeks after my mom's passing, I thought I was fine. Everything seemed fine. I was walking my dog and I got hit walking my dog by a hit and run driver. I ended up in the Toronto unit for over a week. And guess what? As good as I feel, they found four new tumors. A mass in my right breast, a mass in my lung, masses in my colon, and two huge masses in my liver. But you know something? I will never be able, no one will ever be able to get a liver transplant if you are a medical cannabis patient. And why? Because it's a Schedule One drug. And now I'm in a situation where I'm going back to Ohio, my home state. Why? Because my dad is there by himself. My father is deaf and blind and has diabetes so severely that they need to amputate his legs. So now I have to go back to a state that even though it has medical marijuana laws, they aren't going to be fast enough for me because my tumors are growing at a rate right now that I might not make it. But I'm telling you something, and I hope every single one of you, if you have anyone in your life that has ever been sick and has been helped by this plant, or if you feel better at the end of the day from post-traumatic stress disorder, whether you're a veteran or whether you're a mom and you're just tired and instead of Xanax or Valium, you prefer a puff from your vape or a hit from a joint, I am fighting every single day out there for you. How do I do it? When I first came into this, I worked in the media. I worked in television. I know everybody who's anybody in Hollywood, from Brad Pitt to Angelina Jolie. They all smoke pot. We all know they smoke pot. For God's sakes, Rihanna and Lady Gaga are on stage. And that's when I decided, you know what? 
Just like Pauline Sabin, who was a woman in the 1930s who led high society women and was credited with overturning alcohol prohibition, I looked at her and I said, wait a minute, what does she have that I don't have? I'm in high society. I know some highfalutin friends. I know media. I know some celebrities. And you know what? I'm sick and fucking tired of poor kids going to jail for the rest of their lives and losing their scholarships and women losing their children and people losing their jobs and losing their homes. And I dedicated every single bit of energy I could and I teamed up with Sarah Frank who is the founder of Moms for Marijuana and you know what moms get shit done that's what we do and when it comes to our babies and our families do you realize that 87% of all household decisions whether it be health care or food or the shopping that you do those decisions are made by the women and I am telling you make no doubt about it Russ will tell you there was no mainstream coverage on marijuana when I started this campaign the only time you would see marijuana on television was when they were busting somebody or where a house would be blown up by a butane extraction gone wrong or people getting busted there weren't any white women from Beverly Hills with two kids going out there and talking about it but you know something it's not that I'm not that great or anything it was somebody that mainstream could relate to where they could look at me and say wow she could be my sister she could be my aunt she could be my teacher she could be my doctor and so they started to listen so first it was CBS then it was Ricky Lake and then it was the ABC The View 2020 etc and Barbara Walters when she sat me down in that chair and I felt like I was going to wet myself because I was so nervous that Barbara Walters was going to be interviewing me she looked at me she said wow you don't look like what I thought a pothead would look like and you know what Every one of us are different. There are plenty of Beverly Hills housewives, I assure you, that love marijuana. And you know what? But they're not the ones going to jail. Just like our kids where I grew up, you know, the poor kids are the ones that goes to war. They're the ones that go to jail. So we have to continue fighting. So how many of you, out of the women, I'm just curious, are activists? How many of you get out and get out the vote and get people to get involved? Anybody? Well, I want to I say something. First of all, thank you for those that do. Secondly, I want you to understand the speakers that come to these things. I know that people want to party and have fun, and that's all great, and I support that. But these speakers come here on their own nickel. We pay off for our own expenses. We pay and come here to speak to you to try to empower you to fight for yourselves. We are up against a what I call a hostile government. I believe that Trump and Sessions are very dangerous for us. I am scared to death that we are going to lose the rights that we have. And we just can't. We just can't. So I pray and I hope that every single one of you here will sign the petition. Russ told me that was less than $250,000 in funding, which in the, in the pot world is really nothing. With less than $250,000, you guys can get professional people in here that can get the signatures that you need. And you know what? You don't have to go to jail anymore. You don't have to live in the closet. And I'm telling you, there is nothing more liberating than living a life of authenticity and being 
proud of being a warrior on the front lines of this drug war and fighting for everybody for their rights. And I hope that you'll continue to fight for all of us. Please sign the petition. Please stop by and thank Sarah for putting this on. Thank you so much for your time. That's Cheryl Schumann speaking at the Boise Hemp Fest on Saturday, and uh, we wish her the best and, and hope everything turns out okay. I know she's been dealing with a lot of health problems, and it's uh, always difficult uh, trying to fight the fight for activism at the same time you're fighting the fight for your family and your health, and, well, she's a tough lady. I know she'll get it done. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll have my radical rant where... Um, I take on Canabrand once again. You know, we can promote positive portrayals of marijuana consumers without having to denigrate stoners. My take when we come back. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Looking for the 420-friendliest way to visit beautiful, legal Potland, Oregon? I'm Lori Duckworth, inviting you to come stay with us at Delta 9 House and Studios. You get your own private room with queen bed and access to our high-speed Wi-Fi, premium entertainment system, and more. We'll even cook you breakfast. Look us up on Facebook at Delta 9 House. That's Facebook.com slash Delta number 9 house. Delta 9 House is booked through Airbnb and licensed by the City of Portland. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show. I would imagine that there's probably a gun in the school to protect from potential grizzlies. All right. Well, maybe you're high, too. This is Cannabis Facts from Robert Platshorn's TheSilverTour.org. Supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. In 1937, the second most prescribed medicine, marijuana, was banned. It wasn't about marijuana. The paper, oil, and chemical industries lobbied to end hemp farming. No longer labor-intensive, an acre of hemp produced more quality paper than four acres of trees. Plastics and fibers could be produced from a plant. Hemp can even produce ten times the energy of today's ethanol. As marijuana prohibition ends, many states now allow farmers to again grow hemp. This was Cannabis Facts from the Silvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to process America's hemp crop at hempinc.com. Total war against public enemy number one. Ten federal criminal penalties for the one ounce of marijuana. Marijuana is probably the most dangerous drug. Legalization is just another word for surrender. I still marijuana and didn't inhale. This is not medicine. This is a cheat and chong show. Curse people. Use less drugs. Use less drugs. That was that was the point. I think we'd be a mistake to leave the state. Negative reports coming out of Colorado. Don't smoke marijuana. 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 
in the Radical Rant, we want to talk about 420 that's coming up in just a couple of days. The holiday that started off as a secret code amongst the Waldos in 1970. These high school students who went to San Rafael High School, they came up with the 420 code. They propagated it through the Grateful Dead culture. That got it to high times. And before you knew it, the whole world knew what 420 meant. It's so well understood now that companies are marketing to us using 420 as part of their marketing. We got some examples from a article that's in the Washington Post today. Here's one that shows a gif of uh, Burger King, or is it gif? Did I just, uh, I just made the huge mistake. Anyway, uh, a gif from the folks at Burger King on the secret stash. Let's see how that one plays out. There you go. Your secret stash of Burger King munchies popping up. The uh, chicken fries, I believe they are. Then there's a tweet from Denny's that goes on to say, some of our favorite words, baked, cooked, fried, stewed, toasted. That was from 420 in 2016. Then we've got this uh, tweet from uh, Chipotle showing a, uh, well, one of their Chipotle foods, whatever it is, with a uh, cartoon balloon says, sometimes you need a huge bowl to get you through the day. Thanks, Chipotle. Get it? You need a whole huge bowl. Get it? And uh, the accompanying word, single word tweet, dank. <laughs> Just the word dank. That's what they put out on 420 uh, last year, 2016. So as these uh, as these companies are marketing this, of course, the news media asks them, you know, what's this 420 thing all about? And the, the marketers, the uh, companies have to toe the company line. They can't officially say that they're reaching out to stoners or reaching out to people who smoke pot. They they always kind of wink and nudge and say, oh, it's a regional uh, advertising campaign. It, uh, it we're, we're marketing toward a certain segment of customers, but they'll never actually come right out and say it. Uh, one of the ones that's come closest, though, has been the Totino's company, the people that makes pizza rolls, the stoner favorite. And uh, here's a tweet with a video from them. Uh, hashtag 420 is coming. Best prepare, hashtag better when baked. This came out uh, on April 12th of this year. Let's check it out. You there, boy. Yeah? What day is it? Well, today is 420, sir. 420? I haven't missed it. Uh, uh, boy, well, does the store still have pizza rolls? Well, of course. Well, you better make haste. It is 420 after all. Oh, Totino's bless us, everyone. <laughs> Totino's better when baked. A little, uh, <laughs> a little take on the old uh, Scrooge uh, Christmas Carol uh, motif there. So there's a lot of these different commercials that are coming out and that are uh, bringing up the 420 part of the holiday and. This has uh, rubbed some people the wrong way. In fact, uh, the Washington Post goes on to talk about how professionals in the cannabis industry don't love the pile-on from junk food brands, which they say promotes negative stereotypes about the lifestyle. Cannabis is, quote, becoming a wellness product. We do not want people to believe that you just get munchies and you're just reaching for junk food. It's part of a healthy lifestyle, end quote, said Olivia Mannix, chief executive of Cannabrand, a marketing agency for cannabis companies. Now, I've talked about Cannabis Brand in the past, and it's run by two young women, uh, two young millennials who are they've been pro- they've been profiled in the New York Times before. The whole idea we're going to take the stoners out of 
uh, marijuana. We're going to take the 420 out of marijuana. We're going to get rid of the pot leaf. We're going to get rid of marijuana altogether because it's offensive. And I just got to push back on this a little bit. I understand the want to brand cannabis as something that's a lifestyle that's part of wellness. And that's fine. Go right ahead and do that. Nobody's stopping you from doing that. You got a, a, a gym. Let's say a gym wants to advertise that they're uh, using hemp uh, hemp seed for their smoothies. Uh, let's say that uh, some cooking show wants to advertise cooking with cannabis because it can help uh, boost your omega-3s. Let's say somebody wants to promote their uh, spa that uses massage and uses cannabis oils. for ther- That's all wonderful stuff. Great. Go ahead and promote that. My thing is that we can promote positive portrayals of the cannabis community without having to throw the stoners under the bus. See, these laws didn't change because a bunch of millennial professionals decided they would come out of the closet and go change these laws. No, these laws changed because people like Jack Herrer and Brownie Mary and Dennis Perone and Keith Strop and all these guys in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, the 20th century activists who oftentimes had long hair and piercings and tattoos and tie-dye and believed in some non-traditional things. It's because those people stuck their necks out. It's because our culture forged in the fires of prohibition and hardened to, to the diamond that we've become. It was because we stood up. We took the risks. We went to prison. We lost our kids. We lost our possessions. We lost our careers. It was us standing up. So I'm not going to stand here and let the millennials come in and let the new business wave come in and say, oh, you stoners, you tie-dyes, you make us all look bad. Oh, we're all professional in all health and wellness. Great. Be all health and wellness. You can do that without denigrating us. You can do that without trying to see every 420 joke as uh, some sort of slight against cannabis as a whole. Now, if it's news media, that's different. If it's the media reporting a story, I'm a little sick of the pot puns and so forth. I understand that. But this is Totino's pumping out pizza rolls. Hell, non-stoners love pizza rolls much less stoners, there's nothing wrong with that. And it is a verifiable, scientific, medically proven fact that THC will increase your appetite. Hell, that's part of why it became medical in the first place. One of the first medical applications was for people that were puking from chemotherapy and had no appetite. This goes all the way back to the 70s, for God's sake. So to deny that you'd get the munchies and maybe, hey, pizza rolls might be good, or going to Denny's might be good, or Chipotle, or whatever the hell, there's nothing wrong with that. The fast food customers being marketed to, this stoner demographic, this young 18 to 25, the typical stereo, stereotypical kind of thing, if they want to keep marketing like that, there are some people for whom that is going to hit. That is going to be their niche. For those of you types in the Canna brand, in the, in the millennials, that are going to see a, let's say, a jack-in-the-box commercial for Midnight Munchies or a Taco Bell commercial for Midnight Munchies. That's not for you. That's not your commercial. You want to be all high and mighty? You weren't going to go to Taco Bell or Chipotle anyway, okay? Give me a break here. So let those companies market. Let it, let it, let's have some fun with our culture. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, it's not as if these people are saying everybody who smokes pot is the uh, dude I lost my car stoner 
who's only eating fast food and never exercises and, and is a terrible stereotype. Nobody's trying to say that. And and I also bristle a bit when people try to make the uh, the comparison of, well, you know, it's like being, it's like a minstrel show. It's like racism. It's like a racist portrayal. No, it's not. There are people who are stoners. The entire genre of Harold and Kumar and Cheech and Chong and Half-Baked and all that falls flat unless those people actually really do exist. And I would hasten to point out that the Harold Kumar stereotype actually raises, elevates our level because those two characters are both supposed to be, you know, well-educated uh, professional types that just happen to get the munchies. Really, what the whole 420 marketing thing tells us is that 420 has grown bigger than it representing just stoners. The 420 now is on par with Cinco de Mayo or St. Patrick's Day. It's now an established American party holiday. I mean, what is Cinco de Mayo really? Well, it signifies the victory of the Mexican forces at the Battle of Puebla against, I think it was the French, was it? Maybe the Spanish? I don't recall so well. But is that what people are really doing on Cinco de Mayo? No. They're drinking margaritas and they're doing tequila shots. Does that mean places that advertise Cinco de Mayo as getting drunk on tequila are denigrating Mexicans in general? Are denigrating the whole Latino or Hispanic culture? No. No more so than St. Patrick's Day and its green beer and its leprechauns and all of that is denigrating all Irish culture either. 420 now is an opportunity for people outside of our culture to partake in it just a little bit. When I was in Boise, I saw readerboard signs for a place. Now, this is one of those places that was a, uh, a get-your-own-brewing-supplies kind of place. You know, home brewer kits, home winemaker kits, and all the tubes and bottles and stuff you need. And on their readerboard, they were indicating they had their 420 party coming up. This is home beer brewers having a 420 party. What are they having a 420 party for? And it was going to be uh, in their lot. So you know there's no park, no pot smoking going on there in Boise, Idaho. But yet, they're, the 420 holiday is so entrenched now in American popular culture that it's now just seen as a generic kind of a celebration day. Those people that are celebrating 420 are kind of, in a sense, protesting how stupid it is to have marijuana still be under the Controlled Substances Act. Whether they know it or not, the very act of promoting 420, of advertising 420, of marketing 420 is a direct indictment of the impotence of our government's prohibition against marijuana. When Harry J. Anslinger and, and these guys started this prohibition against cannabis back in the 1930s, there's a famous quote where he says there's a total of 100,000 marijuana smokers in the country. 100,000 in the entire United States. Most recent surveys show that we're now totaling around 30 million. What a heck of a job Prohibition has done at keeping marijuana out of the hands of people who want it. So it's, it's failed so badly that we now have an established holiday, <laughs> that we now have a word in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, 420, that indicates a celebration of cannabis or a call for the use of cannabis. We have won. It's all just a matter now of how soon do we get the laws changed. But when it comes to the hearts and minds of the American people, we've won. 
We're not going to see support for marijuana prohibition get to majority proportions in the future. It's not going to happen. We're going to continue to see as more of the older folks die and the younger folks uh, get into power, we're going to see a continued growth in the support for marijuana legalization. Medical marijuana, you're damn lucky if you can find any place, any demographic in any way, in any poll where you can even get 9% of the people to be against medical marijuana. We're winning this thing. So don't get so caught up into whether or not Ben and Jerry's or Denny's or some company is marketing with a stoner stereotype. Our market is big enough. They can market to that part of it. And y'all can market to the rest of us. That's fine. Well, folks, that's all the time we got for our podcast hour. Those of you listening live, stay tuned. And uh, we'll be back with more here. I've got some stories I definitely got to talk about in the second hour, including a look at Iowa and its uh, its medical marijuana bill. Uh, the Colorado cops freaking about fewer pot DUIs. More data on that poll about marijuana and some words from Melissa Etheridge. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. For everyone here at Delta 9 House of Studios, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers.